welcome you to another episode of the Look Right Naked podcast. Today, I sit down with Coach Lorna Kleidman. Lorna is an athlete, author, and personal trainer. As of 2024, she is a seven-time world champion and competing and remaining injury-free at age 58. Her work has been featured everywhere from Shape to Prevention Magazine, Women's Health, and now twice in the New York Times. In this conversation, we dig deep into the training that she does to optimize health and longevity and how specifically you should adjust your training to optimize health performance and longevity, specifically if you are a female getting older and looking to look, feel, and perform your best. You're going to love this conversation. There's a ton of great tools that you're going to learn, everything from breath work and mobility to how to design your programs to get you in and out of the gym so you can look right naked without living in the gym. Now for today's podcast. The Look Right Naked podcast, like, you know, what we focus on, yeah, it has like that name and that connotation. But, you know, as mentioned, my background is it's in performance, right? I was right. a professional strength coach and kind of going that. It's just been a little bit of a pivot directly over to the physique side a little bit more simply because the style of coaching I did. I'm sorry, I can teach someone to run a 40 in person. I can't teach someone to do that online. It's way too technical. Right. So what I would like to jump into would be, yeah, let's talk about, I want to start with your past and your history because I think it's awesome how you got started training a little bit later. Um, yeah. And then we can pivot it into some performance training tips with kettlebells and things specifically for women because still most research and most things are based on like male physiology. And so there's still a lot of confusion with what people should be doing, especially when they want to not just look a certain way, but also being able to perform at any age. And so that's where I would like to go. Does that make sense? Perfect. Awesome. That's great. Awesome. Of course. Love your glasses, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So you got started with your fitness journey a little bit later. Tell me about that. Starting in the teen years as a child and in all through my 20s, I had uh, exercise-induced asthma. I always had it. Couldn't play at recess. I was always sidelined. And back when I was growing up, you know, I went to a doctor, but they didn't know much about asthma medication. I would get allergy shots, but there was really nothing back when I was a child or a teenager that, except for prednisone, which is terrible for your joints, right? I was given that when I had really bad asthma attacks, but there was nothing I was taking on a regular basis to treat asthma. So I was just dealing with it. When I was in my late 20s, I joined a gym. Now this was the first Equinox in Westchester. It was the first gym that actually is called Westchester Health and Fitness. It became Equinox. So I belonged there and I started taking these classes and I was taking high impact aerobics. And again, I couldn't breathe very well. So I would jump around and traverse the studio for maybe a minute at a time. And then I'd have to pull back and, and catch my breath because I couldn't, I had to stop and start because I couldn't breathe. So I'm about 28 years old and I can't keep up with the women who are in their 40s. It, it literally took me about a year until I could make it through the hour class without pausing. And that was such an accomplishment for me. I felt so good. And then after that, I started taking step classes and I was just a fitness class junkie for about a decade. Then uh, in my 30s, I started boxing which was a whole nother level of conditioning, got my lungs stronger. And I just, I just fell in love with movements now. Then I met a trainer who introduced me to kettlebell fitness. And I said, well, I've seen kettlebells in the gym, but I don't, I don't know what they're used for. I don't know how to do it. But when I started to learn kettlebell fitness, swings, figure eights, presses, swing cleans, I was like, wow, this is so much fun because it's not only physically challenging, but it's mentally engaging. And yes. it's dynamic, multi-dimensional movements. And I was like, this is really fun. And that's when this light bulb came on. And I said, this is something I like so much. 
I would love to teach this. And it was way premature. I wasn't even a personal trainer. I was just this really, truly a fitness class junkie at that point, working out at least two hours a day. And, you know, I wasn't really doing any strength training. Kettlebells were the first weightlifting, uh, was the first weightlifting tool I ever used. And I just thought it was amazing. From there, I started um, lifting weights, learning barbell lifts and other, other weight training. And then this person who introduced me to kettlebell fitness said, Hey, you know, there's this kettlebell sport that has come from Russia and there's a coach who lives in California, who is a kettlebell sport coach. And I said to this trainer I was working with, well, if you think I'd be good at this sport, I'll look into it. He said, I absolutely think you'd be good at it. And just based on the fact that I trusted trusted this person, and I was looking for another stepping stone to challenge me. And then I went to meet this coach in California and I trained for my first competition uh, back then with the 16 kg and I was doing snatch. And yeah. I did my first competition at 42. I won. I did well. And I was like, let's see what else I can do. And I just, I just got the bug. And 15 years later, I'm still doing it. That's incredible. A long process, but um, fun. And now along with my kettlebell sport training, I still do strength and a lot of conditioning. That's the hardest part, especially at my age now. You know, the strength is easy to maintain. The conditioning is really challenging. The conditioning is always the biggest challenge for me. And I, I you know, it's, it's training that conditioning so that I have the endurance to perform as many reps as possible, you know, when yeah. you compete. That's the hardest. No, no doubt. Well, that's an incredible journey. And just backing up to getting started, there's so many times when people are struggling with a medical condition, an illness, whatever, where every type of training seems like such an obstacle, where every time trying something and then maybe dealing with an asthma attack or joint pain, whatever's going on, feels like a defeat. And I think it can be so hard for people to persevere. And it sounds like for you, what you did is beyond having an incredible mindset and not wanting to quit is you just kind of kept leaning into things that you enjoyed. And it took a while to really find what you're most passionate about. Whereas I think a lot of people get stuck because they try to find the perfect thing right away. And if it doesn't work, well, this whole exercise fitness deal isn't really for me. Tell me about your mindset when you're going through and knowing that you've dealt with asthma your entire life, um, trying different types of fitness, of exercise until you found the right thing. Right. Yeah. It was, you know, when I joined the gym and I was on the machines and I was just going through the routine, through the circuit of machines. And I would see these, or I would hear these women in this high aerobic impact class, high aerobic class, hooting and hollering. The music was loud. And then I'd watch them come out of the studio, drenched in sweat, smiling, satisfied. I'm like, what is that? What are they doing? <laughs> and so then I try, I said, I have to try this because there's something magical happening there and they're just glowing. So I tried it and I was terrible and I could, I could move, but I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do, but, but I, I loved the teacher. I loved the music. I loved the community feeling of it that, you know, I would go three times a week. And if you missed a class, people would say to you next time you came, it would be like, where were you? Is everything okay? I loved the community feeling. So I, I love knowing that I'd see the same people every time I'd go. So that was really a welcoming kind of beginning to my fitness, what became my fitness journey. So, wow. right. It was finding something I was curious about 
And then something that kind of welcomed me at the same time challenged me. And, you know, I didn't know that I would overcome asthma. It was just something, it was a handicap that I just, just dealt with all my life. But then slowly as I continued and I was consistent and my lungs got stronger and stronger and stronger. And so awesome. like you said, it's a matter of finding what you like, whether it's dancing or, you know, jogging or whatever it is, speed walking, just find something that you like, make it work for you and keep at it. But in addition to finding something you like, it, it's really imperative that women over 40 do some sort of strength training. And I really try to focus on that with, you know, the women I speak with that I know you love Pilates. I know you love yoga. I do too. I take yoga, but you have to keep, you have to do some sort of strength training. It could be three days a week, 30 minutes, just, just get in a little bit because you need it for your bones. You need it for your joints. You need it for overall longevity. But other than that, keep doing what you love to do. Yeah. It's that fine balance of finding the community, finding the things that you enjoy to really start building that consistency with health and with fitness. You know, I've had clients who started with all kinds of different modalities from different exercise classes to eventually they, you know, hire me as a personal trainer. Um, right. I even think back to when I started, you know, I just wanted to build muscle, get a little bit better for a sport. I did everything wrong. But because I found something that was interesting to me, I found the way, I found the journey to be able to do things correctly and eventually, you know, obviously build a, you know, a brand and a business and help thousands of people and all these cool things. And I think what's so important to understand is just find the thing that you enjoy and just start doing that because we can only optimize something once we're consistent with it, you know, exactly. and I think that's such a crucial part. Um, exactly. you jumped, and you mentioned the importance of obviously resistance training for women. Keep the things that you enjoy. You made me think about something last week. I came home and my wife is in the garage knocking out her strength workout and every rep that she was doing, she would say, fuck <laughs> or shit because she doesn't love resistance training, right? We're in complete polar opposites. She's an endurance athlete, but okay. I looked at her and she's like, you love weight training, don't you? She's like, no, but she's like, you know what? I hate being injured a lot more. There right? you and so go. sometimes it's about like she loves running. She does she's incredible at it. She's a rank runner. I'm so proud of her efforts. And it's cool to see that she leans into the thing that she enjoys, but she still makes time for that thing that she doesn't enjoy, but she knows right. is going to be necessary and important, you know, not just for her performance now, but for longevity, for health and all these other components that can sometimes be a little bit neglected. Right. So to be at that smart training, to be able to recognize that I may not like this, but I, I need to do it so that I can avoid being injured or I can avoid having to take time off from the thing I truly love. So it all, it all has to come together and that's really smart training it's it's it has to be a well-rounded process and same with me like you know i don't like doing sprints on the rower or sprints on the assault yeah. bike but <laughs> it's necessary if i want to get better at my sport and sucking at my sport is horrible so you know which pick your poison so i'd rather do the thing i don't like rather than you know underperform later definitely so, yeah, it all has to come together. And that's where a coach can come in. And again, like for the women over 40 that I primarily work with these days, it's a lot of them, you know, are doing the bar classes or they're doing, you know, things that aren't necessarily challenging their muscles in a way. It, it's challenging, but not enough resistance training. So it's it's got to be a more well-rounded process for longevity. And that's where a coach can come in. No doubt. It's so important to yeah. do the things that we don't necessarily always want to. And I think what happens a lot is, you know, for reference, I'm about to turn 35. And it's like, even now, I'm like, there are things I wish I could do the exact same as I did when I was 18, 19, 25. 
little bit different now with the business kids, <laughs> right? And like, I know it's only going to continue evolving as, as I've seen with the clients that I work with. And I think what happens many times is people find a thing that they love and they don't necessarily adapt to where they are now, right? For example, it'd be trying to train the exact same way that you did 20 years ago, but not factoring in that maybe you have less sleep. You could have different medical conditions. You could have different you know, physiology in terms of hormones, in terms of blood work. Uh, you could have more wear and tear on your body. And I think where a lot of people get stuck is, I did this one thing, this one type of exercise, this one modality previously, it worked really well. And I wanted to do it again. It's not working. And I'm sure you probably see that a lot with the women that you work with who are over 40 who probably could get away with just doing yoga in Pilates and some cardio before and now it's not serving them. How do you typically, right. yeah, how do you make the, how do you make the training more enjoyable? How do you get people integrated to the point where they're doing some of the things they don't necessarily like to do right now, but yeah. need to do? Right. So, well, I, I'm all about doing primarily full body workouts each, each session. So I recommend at least 30 minutes, three days a week, optimally an hour three days a week, full body sessions. So if I'm training somebody or I'm writing a program for them, I'll recommend, you know, have two or three kettlebells, two or three pairs of dumbbells, depends on their space. If some of my clients have barbell setups in their gyms, some of them just have a few dumbbells, a stepper, kettlebells, but it's all about bringing them a full body workout. This way they stay interested, it stays dynamic, and it's not just split days. I don't think women, um, a, a lot of people talk about split days, which is fine, but that takes more time during the week to hit all the body parts. And I don't think it's as much fun. Um, I don't think it's it's as engaging as doing full body workouts. So I think, you know, women respond really well to the full body workouts each session. They get everything in, they feel accomplished. It's time efficient. So that's one way I present it, you know, introducing kettlebell work and just saying, look, you can, you can do your Pilates with your friends. You can go on those walks if you want, because that's part of, you know, your friendships. That's part of having community. Um, but you can also have community by working with me and I'm your accountability coach. And so, and just talking to them about, look, having strong bones and strong joints and stability is going to take you so far as you get older in terms of staying independent, in terms of feeling really good in your body, not just the way it looks, but feeling confident in yourself, owning your own authority and not feeling like, you know, your 20s and 30s were your best years. So just trying to bridge that gap between doing those classes and doing something just a little bit more sustainable with resistance training to take them, you know, keep them strong for life. Yeah. Getting strong for life and playing that long game is yeah. so crucial, right? It's like yeah. looking at what's beyond what's happening right now, what's going to serve me five years, 10 years, exactly. 15, 20 years down the road. And the thing I love about your approach is like you focus on performance. And when it comes to a total body type workout, you know, performance is going to happen. It's going to improve when you're doing the same exercises repeatedly. Now you might do them with slightly different variation, different weight, different, different reps, different, you know, rest periods between it. Yep. But when you do those same skills consistently, well, guess what? That's how they get better. It's like when you're speaking a new language. And I think where a lot of people get sidetracked is they want their workouts to be fun, but they think for the workout to be fun, they have to do something different every single time. And so right. I think the brilliance and programming comes from how can we maybe help somebody master the same movement? patterns where they do it consistently and they build that skill. And when you start building that skill, 
here's where it gets really fun. Like you look back and you're like, holy shit, I can do all this cool stuff with my body that I've never been able to before. And it's actually changing the way that it performs and the way that it looks. When you have somebody starting and you do a total body workout, like what would a typical workout look like? For example, are there key movement patterns that you focus on that you're training three days a week? Always. There's, well, it starts with a warm up. We want to do some spinal mobility, range of motion. I want to see how they're moving, um, squat test, things like that. Once we do, I want to make sure that their breathing patterns are correct, that they know how to breathe through their diaphragm, that they know it's not just a belly breath, especially if they're coming from yoga. So breathing, mobility, things like that body. I want to see what their body awareness is, um, how much body awareness they have, because that'll indicate how, or that'll help me to understand how to communicate with them. Um, then we go into the big patterns such as squats, progress to a split stance, things like that. And then as we get into the weeks, it, we get into lunges, we're going to get into a split squat thruster and add different dynamics to the movements. Um, go from presses to push presses, various types of push-ups, things like it. that. Go, you know, yeah. So it's going to progress in complexity, in weight, in reps. Um, and then I'm always throwing in a little bit of a hit element. So that could be with swings, that could be with mountain climbers. There's always going to be a few minutes of hit intervals within the strength training. So you're getting a lot out of that hour training session. So it's not just strength training, but it's also getting your endurance and your cardio up. Um, and as you said, all of my clients notice that, you know, a few weeks ago or a few months ago, they couldn't do the push press with a 35 pound. They could only do a few reps with the 25. Now they're doing the same number of reps with the 35. So it's, it's easy to see for them their progress. And then they can feel very satisfied and very accomplished. It's in, and I can actually give them, for example, if I give them a routine that I, we did three months ago and I say, okay, we did a time drill three months ago with these 10 exercises, do these 10 exercises and I'm marking your time. And then she does it again. And then she Crush it. Again, 40 seconds or, or what have you. Yeah. So I, I'm, I help them to see how they're progressing because maybe they're not dropping weight as fast as they think they should, or maybe they're not, you know, other markers are not happening as fast as they think it, it should happen. But when I show them how much stronger and more capable they're getting, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I am getting better. And I also recommend that my clients take weekly pictures of themselves in a bathing suit, right? Or something like that front side and back because they forget what they looked like when they started or what they looked yep. like two months ago, taking weekly pictures and then comparing, they can easily see the changes that their body is undergoing without, you know, cause they're not going to remember what they looked like. Yeah. That's such a key component. And you know, some of the best advice, you know, this was actually business advice, I believe from Dan Sullivan. And it was always measure progress by looking backward. And I think now there's such an impossible vertical for expectations on what people should look like in social media. I mean, this is a whole other kind yeah. of argument that we all have to deal with and none of us are immune to it. But when we look back at our photos, this provides a lot more context than just looking at the scale. You probably notice the yes. same thing that I do with my clients on a regular basis. So like, hey, oh, I thought I was going to lose more weight on the scale. I'm like, well, your waist is X, Y, and Z inches smaller. You have more muscle definition here. So you're actually building some lean muscle while you're losing body fat. And that's increasing your basal metabolic rate and you can burn more calories right. at rest. 
right? And so it's like when we take these yeah. measurements just a little bit further than stepping on that scale or right. not and avoiding it, it's like it gives us a lot more insight to how things are working. Lorna, exactly. you mentioned something really important and you were actually talking about breathing patterns in the beginning. Can you expand mm-hmm. on that a little bit? Like the importance of really optimizing your breathing and maybe how that even plays into stress? Wow. Yeah. Being able to, I work with a lot of executives and so they're often in their sympathetic nervous system and is always firing, right? So even at 6.30 a.m. client, like they're they're breathing very shallow and they're exhaling very hard even when they're doing a cat cow or a bird dog. They're like breathing really hard. So what I'll do is take a few minutes in the beginning or a couple minutes in the beginning of a session and just remind them, okay, let's go with an inhale through your nose, calmly exhale through your mouth. It doesn't have to be forceful. Let's learn how to breathe, calm the nervous system. And then you only need that forceful breathing when there's a lot of forceful effort. It doesn't have to be always, you know, that forceful breathing or that, you know, parasympathetic state. So I try to get them to understand the difference between that tense, tight state and breathing, and then getting into that full diaphragmatic response and starting there, and then then we can progress into the session. So it depends on the person. Some people don't need that. A lot of people do. Yeah. What I found, you know, the vast majority of people are hyper stressed all the time. They're on, you know, way too much coffee, whatever the case is. And they are so stressed on a chronic basis that I mean, even if they have a background with training, again, it's like they're using the Valsalva maneuver while they're doing a, you know, quadruped yeah. exercise, right? right? Yeah. Um, I, you, when you mentioned this, I actually thought about one of my clients I've worked with him for 12 years now and you know, he's an executive in the energy sector and first couple of times doing a warm up would be I'm like hey we're we're just activating yeah. your glutes right now we we don't need to uh you know fire up the engine so to speak and so it's exactly. yeah like do you know how to breathe for the right time and the right tempo because if your breathing is forced and stressful, it's actually not going to allow you to be as coordinated. You're going to keep a lot of tension directly in your muscles, which can also restrict range of motion and cause some other issues. And so it's about being able to dial up the right thing at the right time. Now, do you ever tie in like any any recovery breathing after a session, get people to calm back down after doing high intensity stuff? Because that's something we used to do with high level athletes. You know, we're getting ready for the combine. Like, how can we calm you down a little bit where you're not firing on all cylinders for the rest of the day? Yes, yes, absolutely. Especially for these executives and high, high tension people that you just mentioned. I do that. Yes. We'll take the last few minutes of the session, supine, do some spinal twists, uh, spinal rotations, hip openers, stretches for the hips with some deep breathing so that they can just calm down and reset. Yes. That, that's very important too. Yeah. So I want them to be, to understand and become aware of the differences of how their nervous system is firing. You know, starting calm, getting to the excitatory state so they can perform and, and move heavier weights or do that hit section of the workout and then come back down. Yes. So for a lot of people, we'll do both in the beginning and then to end the session. That's really important. And then I'll also teach them some Wim Hof style breathing that they can do on their own. You know, if they take a few minutes each morning, if not Wim Hof, they can do square breathing, um, which is also very effective to 
calm the nervous system. They can do that anytime throughout the day. So yeah, we go over a lot of different breathing patterns. I, I think it's super important. And I I practice that myself each morning and I, I love it. Now, if I don't do it, I kind of, I crave it. It's, yeah. it's become a really good habit. You know, I'm the same way. You know, I'm, I'm wired like many of my clients. I just want to run through walls all day long and realize at some point that that doesn't necessarily always serve us, right? And so right. being able to dial in the breathing is such a crucial component because it's not just from a physiological perspective when you're in the gym. It's can you get ramped up and really focus for a task at work? And then can you calm yourself down? Can you be right. ramped up, maybe in executive function mode? And then can you calm down when you want to be with your family at the end of the day? Or you always go, go, go. And so it's crucial to understand how a lot of these tools, any things that, that you're talking about and that you're teaching specifically, don't just help people transform their body. These same skill sets transfer over to optimizing human function at any given time. And I think right. that's the bridge right. that's so important, right? Like, yeah, it's, right. it's not just about fitness. It's about when you get down with fitness, you get the skill set that helps you improve everything else. Exactly. Everything else across the board. That's also what what I found for myself with training for kettlebell sport, which is an endurance sport where you're moving a weight, a submaximal weight, trying to get 10 minutes with one hand change and you can't put the weight down or else your, your set is done. Brutal. So it requires a lot of the elements that we face in life, a lot of the challenges we face in life, which is problem solving. You know, how can I perfect my technique to become more efficient and make it just a little bit easier for my body or for my nervous system, for my grip to do rep after rep? How can I get through this frustrating period where I'm not making progress and trust my coach, trust my program and be patient with the process? How can I come to each training session with a fresh mind and, and approach it? Let's just see what I can do today as opposed to putting the pressure on. I have to make five more reps or I have to make 30 more seconds. Just let's discover what we can do today. So a lot of the quality is like a microcosm of life. That's how I like to look at it. That's what I love about training for the sport is that it makes me a better, um, a better person in the way I process information and the way I approach challenges with all of those qualities, problem solving, patience, curiosity. So it transfers a lot into everything else. You and, know, that's, that's the beauty of you can look yeah. at fitness every day. You can look at fitness. It doesn't have to be a sport. It can be just approaching your fitness training each time like that. It's not just about making ourselves look better. Yeah. And that's why I, I love the approach in general of training for performance because, you know, there's a lot of focus, obviously, on vanity. I mean, this is called the Look Right Naked podcast because right. everyone wants to look right naked. At the same time, when we focus on performance, it forces us to focus on the actual skill of being present in the moment and controlling what we can control. You know, when I'm talking to my clients, maybe they're a business owner or they're in sales as an example, they might have a KPI, a key performance indicator, where it's like, I have to focus on making this many calls or this many contacts. And because of that number, I can count on making this many sales, right? That's logical. It's when we focus on the process, we can start to have more control over the outcome itself. And where a lot of people get stuck in fitness is they get so focused on the outcome and they always change the process. And therefore, they're really shooting themselves in the foot in terms of what they should be doing on a consistent basis. And so when you focus on, when you're focusing on performance, whether it be building a bigger squat or a deadlift or, you know, competing in a sport, competing in kettlebells, whatever it is, 
you're focusing on just getting better at that one skill that's going to lead you towards that destination. And so when we separate just what the destination is, instead focus on what can we do right now based on how we're feeling and put the best effort in today, step by step, that's how we make that transformation that we're looking for. And I think that's such a key component. Um, And I love how you coach that performance component in, you know, with all your clients. Right. And that's what makes it sustainable is coming each day and just being curious and and being present. And it, right, makes you want to keep coming back to it. Right. That's exactly it. When you find that enjoyment, that is what's what's key. Right. Now, you look absolutely fantastic. You practice what you preach. If you were talking to yourself now 20 years ago, yeah. when you were really <laughs> getting started on this journey, like yeah. what are some things that you would tell yourself knowing what you know now? Okay. Okay. Wow. A lot. <laughs> a lot. So 20 years ago, I would say, you know, you don't have to work out 14 hours a week because literally I did that for a decade. So 14 hours a week, taking aerobics classes, jogging between the classes, <laughs> seven days a week. So, but that's what I thought was required to stay lean and the way I wanted to look. And I used to jog and I would think, how am I going to do this when I'm in my 40s? And literally the only answer that came to my mind, how am I going to sustain this? And I thought, okay, well, I guess I'll get liposuction if I have an area that I, you know, that I don't like. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know. How am I going to sustain this? Well, so I would say start weight training because I didn't come to weight training for many, many, many years because I was so addicted to the the classes. Um, So I'd say start lifting. You're going to be able to reduce your uh, time in the gym by half more than half, um, start paying attention to eating more protein. I did get on hormone replacement when I went into early menopause, same age as my mom. All of a sudden, my cycle just stopped. It just stopped. There was no warning. It just stopped. Yeah. And so uh, I, I went and I was like, I, I don't want to know anything about these symptoms and I'm too young to have you know any, any of this. So I was like, no, nope, give me hormones. So I've been on hormones, which is which I advocate a lot of women look into. And then um, I would just say sleep is paramount. Don't neglect your sleep. And, you know, the cliche that everybody talks about is having supportive, positive people around you who, whom you admire, whom you can learn something from who are going in the direction that you're going in, or, or even if it's not in the same career or the same avenues, but some pe- people who you, whom you can learn from, that's really important. So those are some of the things that come to mind that I would, I would tell my, myself a couple decades ago. Yeah. And those are crucial. You know, if you miss a couple of workouts, it's not the end of the world. Oh my God. I used to have panic attacks. If I would miss a workout, I'm going to get fat. I'm going to get sluggish. I'm going to, oh my God. No, that's not how it works. So don't, don't be so silly. Don't be so obsessive. Obsessiveness has um, some benefits, but it also has a lot of down, you know, obsessiveness helped me to, you know, all those fitness classes gave me a really good base of endurance that I was then able to um, transfer into kettlebell sport when I first started, right? Um, my yeah. strength wasn't so great, but my, my capacity was really good because of all those classes, right? But then I was also obsessive about getting it in every day. That's not necessary at all. And I had to learn about recovery too. Um, that's another big message. I was young enough to be able to work out two hours a day, but not anymore. And, and yeah. you know, not anymore, but now I'm at a, I'm at a different level. My objective are different and recovery is is paramount to staying in, in the game for the long run. And that's really what it's about, right? 
everything takes time. It takes longer than yes. we expect. And if we're not focusing on the things that help us stay consistent, that's where we run into issues. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, working out 14 hours a week and just really pushing. And I think a lot of people fall into the idea of if I want to look a certain way, I just have to focus on how many calories that I can burn. And you made a huge right. transition in your training where it was like, well, actually, if I train with strength and performance in mind, I can build some lean tissue. I can improve that metabolic rate. And as you mentioned, get better results in a fraction of the time. And I think that's such an important thing, especially as we all get busier, you know, it's right. like as everything else in change, everything else in life changes, sometimes our approach to health and fitness have to change with it. Otherwise right. we get left in the dust. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. You mentioned HRT as well. I think that's something really important because, you know, our environment, you know, there are many ways we could take this, but like endocrine disruptors, we have different genetic things going on with, with everybody. And a lot of people automatically think when they start to gain weight that my hormones are the issue, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've found with a lot of our clients is when we sign up, like, hey, here's what we recommend for getting some blood work done. Let's just get a baseline panel from which you can measure from at this point. Right. And I'm sure you see this a lot of times where people think uh, it could be thyroid function. Maybe it's not. They could just be eating too much, whatever the case. But like, what has been your experience in terms of like getting that blood work and the information you probably learned about your body in order to, to make the best choices for you? Yes. It, a thyroid has a lot to do with it also as women, especially as women get older. Um, yeah, the blood panels, I get my blood panels done every four or five months to make sure my hormones are, are good, my thyroid function is good, and my minerals, all of that, my growth hormone. And I recommend that to my clients is find a really I think it's hard for for women to find good doctors who first will prescribe hormone replacement properly, but also give them the panels because a lot of doctors will say, well, how do you feel? I feel pretty good. All right, well, then you don't need a thyroid panel. You know, they a lot of these doctors minimize the symptoms and, and the, the vitality that a woman over 40 wants to possess and maintain. And I don't know that most of the doctors are really serving women well enough. So I'm always saying, you know, just if one doctor won't give you those panels or prescribe hormones, find somebody who will. I had to do that. I went to about four or five different doctors on my journey to find um, the right doctor for hormone replacement. I did find her and, you know, I've been with her for 14 years now. Um, but I do recommend that women regularly every six months or so get these blood panels and make sure. And if they have to take medications, a thyroid support or something like that, um, then do so because you're going to feel much better. Yeah, and that I, makes such a difference. It makes such a difference. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, I see the same thing with, with men and women. You know, there's, there's people talk about foods for menopause. Well, you know, there's only so much you're going to do through food. Sometimes we have to take, you know, bioidenticals, which are, have, have been shown to not cause um, any heart problems very low risk of cancer. And of course, it depends on your family's history, but look into it, do your research, talk to somebody who knows. And if it's right for you, then then do it because it's going to give you quality of life for a much longer time. You're going to feel really good. Yeah. And that's such a big piece of it, right? Like look good, feel good, play good. It makes everything else in life that much exactly. better. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For men, I mean, reference ranges, right? For, I right. mean, for men and women, when you do a blood panel, there's a reference range, which is normal amongst the American population, whatever it is, right? Well, yeah. the issue can be you can have a reference range or a number that comes back. I'll use men's testosterone as an example because the range is 300 to 1,000. Let's say you go to your doctor and your levels are at 500. 
And they'll say, oh, you're right in a reference range. Well, if you were 800, 900 a year ago, and you've had a big shift in stress in your overall health over the last year, and you have half the amount of testosterone you did previously, like you're going to feel every single symptom. And the same thing right. is true with women, right? And so this is where you go to some doctors and it's like, oh, you're fine within this reference range. But if you don't have any right. pre-existing blood work that determines what your actual kind of ranges are, it's, it's not personalized. And that's where a exactly. lot of people get stuck you know men and women it's it's a terrible kind of lack of information that people have in that regard yeah Yeah. great conversation yeah so lona this has been an incredibly insightful conversation where can we find out more about you sure um i'm uh, at lornafit.com and i have two different instagram pages one is for kettlebell sport that's uh kettlebells with lorna and the other one is lorna clydeman and that lorna clydeman is dedicated to uh working with women 40 and over and then i'm going to be launching in a few weeks, a new program, which is called Kettle X 21 Day Kettlebell Kickstarter starter for Kettlebell Fitness. This is going to be for men and women. I'm going to promote it. There's going to be um, about 15 video workouts with tutorials for each kettlebell movement. We're starting with non-ballistic movements like presses, halos, um, things like that. And then we get into the swings, the push presses, the power moves, then windmills, time under tension, Turkish getup. But I'm laying it out very systematically, very comprehensively, so you can learn how to work with kettlebells in your own time at home and also work with me. There are options to work with me. So that's how you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's an incredible resource. Make sure you check that out. Go support Lorna. And until next time, take care. Thanks, Eric. You're welcome. Hey, it's Eric here again. Now, there are three ways that I can help you look great naked. Number one, if you want to grab a free copy of the Look Great Naked Protocol to help you lose body fat without counting calories, then go to bachperformance.com backslash free training. Number two, if you're a busy guy looking to build muscle, then I recommend checking out our Minimalist Muscle Blitz, which has helped over 1,000 men build muscle without living in the gym. Just go to minimalistmuscleblitz.com. The link will also be available in the show notes. Or number three, and last, if you want to work with me directly and get the best results possible, apply at bachperformance.com backslash coaching to look great naked without living in the gym. Until next time, my friend, 